As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter 1. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy-to-read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the podcast. Justin Briley here, sitting in for Ruth Jackson once again this week, bringing you some bonus material before we pick up a new season of shows with Alistair McGrath. And this week and next, you'll hear my interview with Max McLean, the founder and director of the Fellowship of Performing Arts and the man behind the stage play and now film of C.S. Lewis's early life and conversion, The Most Reluctant Convert. Just before we get there, you may be aware that the C.S. Lewis podcast is part of the premier Unbelievable family of shows and resources. And I would like to invite you to join me for Unbelievable Live, a Q&A with another great thinker and Oxford professor, John Lennox. You can join from anywhere in the world on Tuesday, the 7th of December. It'll be at 7 p.m. UK time. Uh, that's 2 p.m. Eastern if you're in the States. We'll be talking about God, science and faith, taking your questions and hearing about a new video documentary of John Lennox. Life. It's called Against the Tide. That's in partnership with the film's producers, Caris Productions and Pensmore Films. Again, to book in, it's unbelievable.live. Free to register there. The link is with today's show. Look forward to seeing you there if you can make it. Now we're in for a bit of a treat today as we hear about Max McLean's life, C.S. Lewis and the new film, which has been out on limited theatrical release in the USA recently, hoping it'll be out on general release very soon via the usual streaming services but you can find out more about it at cslewismovie.com and don't forget for all things c.s lewis you can visit the show webpage at cslewispodcast.com Uh, Max, welcome along. Uh, so good to have you with me. Let me do a little introduction to you, first of all. Um, you are the founder and artistic director of the Fellowship of Performing Arts, uh, I think based out in New York, but known all over the world for your productions, including, of course, many based on the writings and life of C.S. Lewis. And a new movie had just been released, The Most Reluctant Convert. Uh, we're going to be talking about that today. Um, and I believe being shown across uh the usa in theaters and things like that so welcome along to the show max thank you justin i think this is the second time you've had me i believe i think it is i think we we last connected i think around the time that you were in london doing a performance of the screw tape letters which i attended with my family and we really enjoyed it it was i got a feeling it was something like christmas 2017 maybe 16 i think 16 or 15 somewhere wow. there. yeah it's been a okay, while that long ago there uh-huh. you go um i mean and and that alone sort of shows the way that you've been involved for so long in doing plays productions around the writings and life of c.s lewis um 
tell us max before we get into this um the the the, the new movie um did you grow up kind of with a love of acting? Was that something that was there right from the beginning? No, no. Uh, you know, I'm an immigrant. Uh, I came to America via the Statue of Liberty when I was four years old. In fact, uh, uh, we came at the West Side Passenger Terminal, uh, which happens to be about a 10-minute walk from where I currently live in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, so the first thing I had to do was master the English language. I've been working on it ever since. Um so uh, I, uh, my, my first involvement in theater was really in college, and that was to get over a fear of, socio, uh, a fear of public speaking, sociophobia. So that's how I got into the theater. There you go. So it was actually to, to overcome the, the nerves of, of speaking in public, and now it's more or less all you do for a living. It's um, all I do, yeah. <laughs> um, tell us about your Christian journey, though. Did that go hand in hand with getting into acting and drama? Well, that's very interesting because uh, I, uh, I started uh, acting in my senior year of college, about 22 years old, and then I had an adult conversion experience about a year later at 23. Uh, and it was uh, meeting a woman who, uh, if I wanted to be with her on Sunday, I would have to attend church. A very odd experience. Um, but what was not odd was, I mean, you know, the whole, the worship experience was odd, except for some reason, the, uh, the, the Lord's Prayer uh, that had a haunting effect because I knew it. Mm. And uh, so that had a that had an effect, uh, and then met some of her friends who uh, I, I graduated from college with a history degree, and one of her friends uh, mentioned uh, that you know Jesus was a person in history just like Lincoln, just like George Washington. Well, that was news to me because I thought Jesus was fairy tales, and and for some reason that little twist. Uh, you know, opened my mind to want to read the gospel. I've tried to read it in the past, but it didn't get anywhere. Uh, and uh, the person of Jesus just overwhelmed me. And so mm. uh, my conversion came right around that time. Wow. That, that, that would be an interesting film in itself, I imagine. But you've, you've, you've obviously devoted so much of your life in a way to telling the story of C.S. Lewis and obviously uh, producing his works as well. When, when do you first remember bumping into the works of C.S. Lewis, Max? Well, uh, this, this uh, person who I was uh, attracted to, uh, Sharon, who later became my wife, uh, I, I, I had the conversion experience. I'd read the New Testament. I had the year prior read Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov, which had a huge impact on me. I don't know why, but I mean, it just hit me in a very deep place. Uh, and now I, well, I do know why, because it's probably the greatest Christian novel ever written. Uh, but I had no experience with C.S. Lewis. So uh, she thought, oh, I must be, you know, I, I would be into him. So uh, she gave me a copy of Surprised by Joy. I was 23 years old. I read it from cover to cover. And I must say, I don't think I understood a word of it. Uh, it, it went by me like a freight train. Uh, but I, you know, I knew I was, I was up against a massive intellect. And then, and I said, I, I don't think this is it. And, and I, don't, I didn't get it. And he says, well, try this one. And it was a screw tape letters. And from page one, you know, the man in the British gets on the bus at the British Museum. I said, oh, I know this guy. <laughs> this guy is, 
uh, man, this guy has been in my life, you know, and, and, uh, and so, you know, Lewis's transparency, his, you know, he, he deals with sin at the, at the greed, at the spite level. <laughs> you know? And, and so, you know, not, you know, he doesn't, he's not after, you know, other people's sins, crimes of humanity and all that. He's like, you know, what did you do today that was so hurtful, yeah. spiteful and yeah. mean? And, and I said, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my first introduction. I was going to say in that sense, you, you went straight to, to the meat in the sense that a lot of people, obviously their first introduction to Lewis is, is the Narnia stories. I mean, had, right. had you come across those at that point? No, I hadn't even heard of them. So, uh, right. so they, they, uh, uh and, and I, I was never much attracted to, at least I don't recall attracted to, to fantasy very much. Uh, so anyway, yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so, so, as your own faith developed, you obviously eventually founded the Fellowship of Performing Arts. What took you on that journey? Did you feel that there was a, a need to see the Christian faith given this kind of a way of expression, you know, through the dramatic arts and so on? Um, yeah, it was sort of a backdoor thing because, you know, I, I did not grow up in the evangelical church, so I didn't get the memo that Christians weren't supposed to be actors. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, and yet, you know, I, I, uh, I, I went to drama school in London and, and I went to the National Theatre, the Royal Shakespeare Theatre, to, uh, the Old Vic, the Royal Court on an absolutely regular basis. And, and my, my, my imagination was constantly being engaged. And, and I also, you know, as a new Christian, I was really sensitive to, to, uh, Christian themes, you know, in all of these works. Uh, and, and so the idea just popped into my head, you know, why aren't Christians doing this? And they, and they were, I mean, there was a, there was a group called Upstream that I think was doing really good work back then, um, in late seventies, uh, but not in America, at least not that I was aware of. And so the, 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 the idea of, uh, of, uh, of fellowship for performing arts emerged, you know, why not use the skills and techniques mm. developed in the theater mm. to uh, present these this worldview? And yeah. so that was the germ of the idea. And, and uh, uh, I was able to get people to support the idea. And, and that's where fellowship began. Yeah. And I think, when, frankly, one of the reasons it has been so successful and has gone around the world, Max, is because you do it well. And that's not true of all art produced under the christian banner uh, because sometimes uh, sadly it, it can just mimic the world and do a fairly substandard job of it can't it whereas we used to have it appears you know christian art simply was the art of its time and so michelangelo anyone was you know it, it was sublime yeah what happened how do how do we kind of get back if you like to to, to art that really is creative, engaging, aesthetically beautiful, that, that really honors God in that sense? Well, I, I, one of the things is, is that, you know, it all begins with the church and the church uh, in the main uh, doesn't produce uh, artists, or at least it didn't. It's starting to now. I mean, it certainly produces musicians. Every time I watch uh, The Voice or America's Got Talent or, you know, you're seeing all of these people coming out of the church. So the, musically, that's that's still the case. We, sure. we produce some of the best. But but theatrically, there's been such a suspicious element to it, uh, and probably rightfully so. I mean, you, you probably know that 
that uh, you know actors were not given burial rights. Uh, uh, you know, Augustine had horrible things to say about the theater. Uh, so, so, uh, so that has a long tradition, uh, uh f- for that. And, and, and then, and then of course the, the way it was redeemed, uh, was for some kind of, uh, evangelistic purpose, uh, agenda driven purpose. Now, mind you, uh, all art has an agenda. There's, there's nothing, uh, it's, it's not agenda free, uh, but the, the the question is 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 how do you uh, how do you articulate that agenda and and so what fellowship was trying to do was uh, we wanted to uh, our, our mission was produce theater from a Christian worldview meant to engage a diverse audience and so it's a simple mission uh, and in order to do that you had to select the right material what material would would at least uh, uh, gain the uh, the respect, you know, uh, of of the argument uh, of the uh, audience, and then you'd have to uh, uh, execute at the highest levels that your budgets will allow, so you could play the greater venues around the country. Because we 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 made it a point not to play churches. We uh, you know not that there's anything wrong with that, I, I, uh, but we wanted to play in the marketplace of ideas where the other places were. Uh, and and so to to get the uh, the uh, production values uh, up there was really really important. Mm. Uh, and then of course we asked people to help us do it. And so that's that's why we're a fellowship uh, for performing arts. We, uh, it's a fellowship of people who believe art and theater from a uh, Christian worldview can engage the imagination and influence culture. Mm. Well, let, let's talk about the most reluctant convert. Um, so I think you've produced a number of different productions that are related to Lewis. When, when did you decide to actually produce a stage play that would reflect his own conversion sure, experience? Yeah. yeah um, it began after uh, adapting screw tape letters and adapting the great divorce uh, for, from the page to the stage. Both of those works have to do with spiritual warfare, you know, temptation, uh, kind of sins of commission and, and resisting the conscience, resisting the Holy Spirit, sins of, of omission. Uh, and in both cases, Lewis was so transparent about it. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and so he was using his own personal experience, his own emotional autobiography. And, uh, and so, uh, with that in mind, you know, we've done the two. I said, well, Lewis is always going back to his conversion. Uh, the, 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 the time where he was just resisting fighting. So that got me back to surprise by joy. And what I ended up doing was I didn't know, not that I knew screw tape would be, uh, or even the great divorce. I didn't think either one of those, they, they weren't obviously theatrical material, but, but they did, you know, if you worked at it and found the, theatrical arc to it, you, you could get there. So I, I, I did try to do the same thing with Surprised by Joy. And actually, that was, a, that was actually simpler because, you know, it's a change story. You know, once mm. I was this, I was that. Uh, and what I ended up doing, and, you know, people say that, uh, you know, for playwrights, if you really want to understand 
a playwright, you, you actually copy it out and try to figure out how he, why he went this way instead of this way. So I actually did that with Surprised by Joy and got mm. really inside it. And, uh, and from that, I was able to craft after many, many, many attempts, lots of development in 2016. We did a stage production of it that ran in New York for 15 weeks and, and plays at colleges and universities all over the country. Uh, we had a really good run with it. Of course, with the pandemic, it just shut down. But that's, that was the history of, uh, yeah. most reluctant yeah. convert. How many people before the pandemic shut it down? How many people had it had it played to by that point? I would say roughly a, a, a hundred thousand people had seen it wow. in one way. We we had some some two hundred different perform, but more than that, uh, yeah, around the country. Uh, and then you know, I mean, the pandemic just just shut us down. We had sure. two shows on tour. Uh, Most Reluctant was doing uh, around the colleges and then we had a show in new york we had a modern adaptation of paradise lost and and all of that went from you know going 100 miles an hour to zero just like that it was like you hit yeah. a wall well we we know the devastating effect that the pandemic has had on the, the theater and performing arts world and and you were no different in that sense um and many of those venues and companies only really just starting to to claw their way back now but i mean you you pivoted you know quite quickly actually um because it was was this film idea converting the stage play into a film was that something you already had on the agenda or was that something that that was a kind of fruit of the lockdown experience well uh norman and i uh norman stone who directed the piece uh, uh and you, you probably should say a little word about him but uh, he's a he's a terrific filmmaker has uh, 40 years experience with the bbc and many others a couple of Emmy Awards, a couple of BAFTA Awards. Uh, he and I met at an arts conference about 10 years ago, and we hit it off right away. We have a similar uh, vision about what we want to do in film and art. And uh, <clears throat> about uh, in the fall of 19, uh, I called him and said, you know, this, this stage play is doing really well. Would you consider uh, talking, having a conversation about making a film of it? And he said, well, let me see the script. So I sent him the script. He loved the script. And uh, so we started having conversations. Uh, and in January of 2020, you know, we made an agreement that he would do the kind of research that would be able to get us to a, a treatment that we could put a budget behind and decide to film it. But in my, in, in my idea, that was going to be, you know, 2022, 23 project. It was not anything immediate. And plus we just had so many things going on. Sure. And then with the shutdown, you know, that, you know, of course everybody thought it was going to be short term. At least we did, you know, I don't know if you remember 15 days to flatten the curve. <laughs> Oh, and I thought, what, 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 what am I going to do for the next two weeks? You know, <laughs> you know, and and then all of a sudden it just got longer and longer. So uh, sometime, and Norman and I were having regular conversations over Zoom and and Skype. You know, he lives in Scotland, I live in New York, uh, and uh, he, I think, sometime in June, he said, if you know the British film industry is going to open back up in August under very strict conditions. And he could get a very good crew together and, uh, and get a very good cast because nobody had worked since March. Mm. And, uh, uh, 
if we prepare to act now, and I said, well, I asked them to confirm all that and then make sure the locations we needed were available. Uh, and I would go to the board and see if I could get the funding to put it in the can, right? Mm. You know, and we worry about post-production and, and distribution later, but just get it in the can. Uh, we got the rights from C.S. Lewis Estate uh, shortly thereafter, uh, have a good relationship with them. And uh, I remember on August 31st of 2020, I got on a plane as big as Air Force One with, <laughs> with fewer people on it. <laughs> from uh, from Newark to uh, Heathrow, uh, went to, went into quarantine for two weeks. Began filming mid September, finished filming mid October, and uh, came back. and Here we are a year later. Yeah, wow. Well, I remember the the Facebook updates. We're friends on Facebook, Max, and 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 obviously you 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 sort of. It was great to see the way it unfolded. It looked terribly exciting when I was seeing you in various parts of oxford filming and then i realized michael ward who's a, a mutual friend of ours was um who, he's a brilliant c.s lewis scholar but also has a penchant for a bit of acting himself and and was playing the part of the the church of england vicar and uh, i so so it all looked great fun and i i'm just stunned that it came together so quickly though it's almost miraculous these things never come together that quickly normally, well part they? of it uh, norman works extraordinarily fast and, and and you know because he sees everything in his head uh, you know he sees the pictures and we already had the script was already uh you know such because it's been fine-tuned mm. from mm. from all these theatrical productions so those two things were were uh uh there and then you know we had to take one one of the uh things we had to do was take COVID tests like all the time. And they were just, mm. uh, they were just so, gosh, it was so tedious. <laughs> and uh, anyway, but any one of those tests, I mean, uh, you know, we had, uh, we had 17 actors, 190 extras. So if, if an extra got a positive test, it probably wouldn't have done much. But if I got a positive test or Norman or if the cinematographer, it would have shut us down for weeks. And, mm. you know, and we would have just sat there and waited and I don't, you know, I don't know what would have happened because shortly thereafter, like in mid-October, like by the end of November, there was a second wave came and they shut down filming again. So we probably wouldn't have been able to finish the film. Yeah. So uh, it, it certainly has a providential element uh, yeah. running right through it. Tell us about the film then, because obviously shooting a film is very different to putting on a, a stage play, which is essentially a, a one man stage play to a large degree. Um, this obviously involves multiple characters and so on. You're you're still very much Lewis, um, but the older Lewis narrating. And I, I've had the pleasure of seeing the film and I really loved it. Fantastic film. It was just so good. And and it strikes me that the script itself draws from all kinds of at points. I was like, oh, now now this is surprised by joy, and oh, oh, now this is from this other. So so tell us about yeah how how the script itself came together. What that was like then turning that into something that was obviously shot shot for a movie yeah. instead. Well, the uh, I, the script emerged uh, primarily from surprised by joy. Uh, but it also uh, had many other sources. The problem of pain, like the opening chapter, when I was an atheist. So you you get this empirical view of of the experience of being on this planet alone and just looking out. You know, uh, the universe is dark, cold, uh, empty space. I mean, that's our that's our empirical experience. So if you just use that, that's what you see. And so we start from that Lewis's empiricism, uh, 
and you know, and he comes to, and then you you get uh, he he begins to play with with the with the statement. I think of brilliant poetic prose. Either there's no god behind the universe, a god indifferent to good and evil, or worse, an evil god. Uh, that was Lewis's empirical view uh, of of the universe, and that's kind of the starting place of of the play. Uh, so you you get that. Uh, Lewis giving you this is where I was mentally at 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 a point in time when I began to change, and and then he starts talking about what contributed to that. Well, my mother died when I was nine of cancer. I prayed, nothing happened. You know, prayer doesn't work. It was his conclusion, and then uh, and then he uh, he he talks about his his religious education, where there's a thousand and one uh, false religions and ours is completely true. <laughs> and he says, on what grounds? You know? So he, because he was a very smart uh, boy and, and he was kind of a lout, uh, he was, you know, a big personality. His father was, was a huge personality. Uh, in addition to his mother passing of cancer, he had a terrible relationship with his father, uh, uh, who uh, uh, Lewis regrets to the end of his life. Uh, he he was involved in the butchery of World War One. So how could he come to any kind of other conclusion? You know, it, it says uh, there was a wonderful line uh, that when he returned to Oxford, when he returned to Oxford, they they read the minutes of their last meeting from 1940. He returned in 1919. They read the minutes of his last meeting from 1914. And he said, you know, he, he said, never had I considered how big of a waste yes. the whole experience was. And somebody asked him, it says, uh, were you much frightened in France, meaning in the, in the trenches? And he said, all the time, but I never sank so low as to pray. <laughs> Yeah, it, there's just I mean, so much material to draw on, isn't there? And and the way you weave it together in the film is is it's just wonderful. Um, it, it's I mean, what what is it like for you when you step into those shoes, when you step into that personality, when you step into the costume? I mean, just when you started quoting, you were immediately turning on the C.S. Lewis just now. It, do you feel like you yourself convert from Max McLean into something like C.S. Lewis? Well, uh, you, you, you know, uh, it, it's really a lot of fun to be that smart for 90 minutes. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> to, to be able to say those words, uh, you know, and, and to... To, to just get into that skin. I mean, obviously I respect him immensely. And so, you know, he, it, it's, it's almost like, uh, uh you know, the, uh, uh, the desire to be greater than you are, uh, on so many levels. I mean, not the least of which, you know, he, he took, uh, the idea of right and wrong so seriously. You know, because he came to the conclusion that you know, uh, if the universe is just biochemistry and physics, then why should I be concerned about any kind of moral imperative? And yet he found that he was, and mm-hmm. so he wanted to you know track that, and uh, and that that uh, you know I I would say that 
the uh, where he helps me the most is his his honesty coming from this this dead empiricism, uh, which really leads nowhere, and and yet intellectually he thought that was justified. Then going to this other place because there was something drawing him there. Uh, some of it was uh, this uh, uh, the apologetic, I suppose, the dialectic of desire, the dialectic of reason. Uh, those two things joined together were probably the biggest drivers to his mm. conversion. And of course, mm. that led him to just God, where he said, my yeah. religion was like that of the Jews. Yes. Uh, so he couldn't come to terms with Christ until a little bit later. Well, we'll talk about that in the next segment of the show, because uh, as has been said, shared in people like Alistair McGrath and others who have who've written extensively on Lewis, that there was a multiple stages, as it were, to his conversion. A bit of a special today. I'm joined by Max McLean. He's the founder and artistic director of the Fellowship of Performing Arts and stars in and has been part of the screenplay and everything else, obviously, for this new film, The Most Reluctant Convert, directed by Norman Stone. Uh, if you want to find out more about it, cslewismovie.com. That's the best place to find out how you can watch it at your earliest convenience. It is showing in theatres across the US during November. Thanks for being with me, Justin Briley, on the C.S. Lewis podcast this week. Next time, you'll hear part two of my conversation with Max McLean, continuing to talk about this new film, The Most Reluctant Convert. And don't forget that if you like thinking Christianity, we think you'll love Unbelievable Live with John Lennox. On Tuesday, the 7th of December, you can join from anywhere in the world for free and ask your questions of the renowned Oxford professor and thinker. Just register at unbelievable.live. For now, have a good week and I'll see you next time. <laughs>